52nd chapter of Isaiah, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has been told them, for that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man at his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many 
and makes intercession for the transgressors. This, this text of scripture, Isaiah 53, was written 700 years before Jesus lived on earth. If you're an unbeliever here this evening, you have some explaining to do as to why you don't believe when in fact there were predictions and prophecies like these by the dozens in the Old Testament about the birth, the life, the miracles, the teachings, the betrayal, the denial, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus. This one who was the servant of the Lord. If you do not believe, we invite you to believe. We encourage you to believe. Jesus invites you to come to him in faith. If you do believe, then texts like this are texts that leave you with a spirit of wonder and joy and amazement. Who is this Savior? Who is this willing, suffering servant of God who so anguished for us? and for our sins. Matthew Henry back in the 1800s wrote, come and see the victories of the cross. Christ wounds are thy healings, his agonies thy repose, his conflicts thy conquests, his groans thy songs, his pains thine ease, his shame, thy glory, his death, thy life, his sufferings, thy salvation. This is the one spoken of here in Isaiah 53. And there are times in our lives in which there comes to our hearts a particular awareness, a sensitivity, a tenderness of heart and conscience where our sins and the love of Christ affect us. A couple of years ago, I had a season of about two months where I was stirred in my heart to, to just think about Jesus, think about the cross, think about his names, think about his titles, his person, his work, his life, his character, his blessings in our lives. And, and that gave birth to a series of 26 poetic offerings of love for my Savior, each starting with a successive letter of the alphabet. It was one of the richest seasons of devotion that I've ever experienced in my life as I simply focused day after day after day on who Jesus is and what he has done for us. This was my letter A in that series Ancient of days, above all, alone in three, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-around, august, awesome, Adonai, Alpha, at the awakening, already was, Ark of Safety, Ark of the Covenant, Adam the Second, Alive in Mary's womb, announced by angel song, affirmed by wonders great, attacked by senseless hate. 
anguished, sweating blood, appalled to drink the cup, arrested in the garden, abandoned by his friends, accused by evil liars, assaulted by the soldiers, affixed upon a cross, accounted as a sinner, accursed by God above, atonement for our sins, appeasement of God's wrath, alone in the abyss. Arisen from the dead, affirmed by empty tomb, ascended through the clouds, ascribed as Lord of all, acquitting through his righteousness, appealing aid for all, amazing in his grace, attentive to his church, abiding in our hearts, advising by his word, available in trial, abounding in his love, acclaimed in every land awaited by his bride, appointed for a day, appearing in the sky, astonishing to see, alarming all his foes, avenging all his saints, adorning all his own, adored by earth and heaven, all in all to all. Amen and amen and amen. For 2,000 years, believers have been trying trying somehow to to express their love to express their adoration to express their affection for jesus for for how do we put it into words how do we put it into actions how who is this one who suffered for us like this we call it good friday because though it is the most evil day in the history of the human race it was the best day it was a good day for us, for us. Isaiah's prophecy gives us four reasons why it was good. And I just want to very simply lay these before you. First of all, it was a good Friday and we worship Jesus for it because he bore our sins. Don't let those words go by you too quickly. He bore our sins. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Peter says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Friends, there's, there's no way to fully grasp this. Leo, our brother, in his prayer this evening, expressed it in some measure when he prayed and he said something like that Jesus was seen as the pervert. 
Jesus was seen as the liar. Jesus was seen as the murderer. Jesus was seen as the adulterer. He was seen as the thief. He was seen as the one who took his father's name in vain. He was seen as the one who violated all the commandments of God. The worst and the deepest and the darkest that you can conceive. He who was innocent, who had done nothing wrong, was seen by God as being guilty of all of it. Bore in his body on the tree every sin you and I have ever committed. And he carried it to the cross. And he nailed it there. Jesus bore our sins. Second, Jesus carried our sorrows. He carried our sorrows. We see this in verses 3 and 4. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. What a name for the Son of God who came. Man of sorrows? The, the implication of the name of the title was that sorrow was a distinguishing feature of his life, of his identity while on earth. He experienced every sorrow we experience. He tasted it. He cried and wept. As he walked the earth, one by one, he just picked up our human sorrows. Just picked them up, put them on his own shoulders. I'll take that. Put it on his shoulder. I'll take that. Grief over a loved one lost. Guilt over sin and shame. The sorrow of a loss of livelihood or home or family. Every sorrow, one by one, burdened his heart and he lifted them and he carried them until all the sorrows of all of his people were on his shoulders and in his heart and he bore them to Calvary and then he carried them and buried them in a tomb and then he left them behind there and while we still sorrow today and Risen Hope Church in its first six months of existence has been a church of sorrows. And while we carry our sorrows, he carried them in such a way that he assures us the day when they will be no more. He carried our sorrows. He wept our tears. He took all the sorrow that we deserve forever and ever on himself and said, I'll bear them. I'll bear them. We love Jesus because he bore our sins. We love Jesus because he carried and carries our sorrows. And we love Jesus because he heals our diseases. Verse 5. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds, with his stripes, with his scourgings, we are healed. 
by bearing in his body the very worst, the most painful and killing afflictions that any body can bear. And coming through all of that onto the other side in victory, there is atonement in his wounds, there is healing in his blood, there is wholeness in his brokenness, the lashes on Jesus' back, the wounds in his flesh, the piercings through his hands and feet, the fierce thirst of his cross, the anguishing and the languishing of his body. These were all, all these lashings, all these wounds, all these piercings, all these thirstings, all these anguishings and languishings, which we deserve and which we deserve forever. He took in his body and by his stripes we are healed and we have the promise that one day every one of our bodies will be made well and every disease will be healed and every cancer and heart attack and aneurysm and embolism will be reversed and every ailment cured and every weakness removed and every one of us will be made strong and glorious forever. By his wounds we are healed. And fourth, we love him because he provided our righteousness. Verse 11, out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus is our justification. Jesus is our acceptance. Jesus is our righteousness before God. By his death and by his righteousness, we live. And we're accepted and we're forgiven. I loved our Risen Hope Lenten series post this morning. It was on Jesus' words, it is finished, and it was written by Katie Gomes, Listen, listen to this excerpt. This phrase, it is finished, reminds me, Katie writes, of a conversation I had with a Muslim friend. When I was in college, I spent five months studying abroad in Egypt. To my surprise, I found out I had far more in common with the conservative Muslim students than some of my American counterparts who were in Cairo to party. So I ended up hanging out primarily with Muslims. One student in particular, Tricia, became a close friend. We had countless discussions about religion. Before I left, I asked her, listen to this, I asked her what the main difference between Christianity and Islam is. She said that in Christianity, we think Christ's righteous life can count for us and cover our wrongdoings. We believe there can be a substitution, a sacrifice in our place. In Islam, each person is responsible for their own actions. It is their own responsibility to do as many good works on earth as possible, hoping to make up for their sins. At judgment, each person must stand only on their own actions when giving an account. Aren't you glad you don't have to stand on your own actions? Katie writes, I was amazed by her ability to pinpoint the difference. And even as an outsider, she was able immediately to highlight the most shocking part of Christianity. It is puzzling. That's an understatement, Katie. 
It is massively puzzling. It is astonishing. It is shocking. It's almost scandalous that we can claim the righteousness of another. And even more astounding to realize that we are able to claim the good deeds not of another human, but of the eternal Son of God. This is why we love Jesus. Because we are accepted, we are loved, we are approved in the sight of God through the righteousness of another, the death of another. Yes, it's Good Friday. It's Good Friday. And as we continue in our worship, it is entirely fitting that we continue around the table of the Lord. It's entirely fitting that we drink the cup and eat of the bread together in remembrance of Jesus. So we are going to do that now. And may it be that as I pray and as we get into position for this moment, may it be that by the Spirit of God, Jesus will be even more precious to us. Oh, Holy Spirit, come nourish us as we by faith drink of the cup and eat of the bread. Nourish us and feed us in our souls through Jesus our Lord. Amen.